Today, Sharon speaks about the challenges, skills, talents, and the bodies of each psychic type. Last episode, she took you through a handy quiz to figure out what psychic type are you. And today, she is going to explain all the different psychic types you could be. Here, you'll learn more about how your body is reacting in the physical world according to the psychic type you identify with. Let's get started and find out what is your psychic type, part two. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. I love having you here. And today, we're recording episode 42, which is part two discovering your psychic type, finding out what is your psychic type. And uh, if you haven't listened to episode 41 and taken the quiz, you need to do that before we go any further with this, because otherwise you're going to be just guessing. When you discovered what your psychic type was, it might have surprised you. Um, A lot of us feel like we might be in one camp and we're actually in another. But I think it'll come more clear as today we're doing part two. So today we're going to talk about the challenges of each psychic type and the body of each psychic type. Okay, so let's get started and let's get started with the emotional Um, because, as you know, if you did the quiz, there's emotional, physical, spiritual and mental. Uh, And the challenges for the emotional intuitive are emotional intuitives are really more likely to make a mistake in interpreting psychic information, but they can generally feel other people's feelings. They can pick up the emotions of others. And so instead, they don't make errors in that regard. The errors they make are because they're all too often their concern for others and their love and care for others overrides their common natural intuition. So they want to help and they want to heal and they want to nurture and they love the sick and the weary and those who suffer. Learning how to interpret psychic information is not always easy. Trust me, uh, it took me years just to get where I am and I am nowhere near done. I've got lots and lots of learning left to do, but it's not always easy and especially for the emotional intuitive. And it can be more difficult for them than the other types. Because emotional intuitives respond to energy emotionally. And the challenge for emotion-based people is to learn to interpret energy objectively. Think about it. When we use the words objective and subjective in our culture, objective says do it without emotional impact or do it without emotional override. Subjective is including your emotional center. So uh, for an emotional who lives through their subjective view, subjective self, For them to have to switch it to the objective, that can be really challenging and not pick up all the stuff everybody's feeling. They must learn to interpret through heart-centered clarity, not heart-centered empathy, (laughs) okay? And they can become adept at shifting away from a powerless stance of absorbing emotional energy into clear awareness. So oftentimes, the the emotional intuitive is the one that is picking up all of the drama around them and can become embroiled in the drama if they haven't got their motive clear as to why they're there in the first place. Okay, so that's a little bit more for you. Now, let's talk a little bit about the body of the emotional intuitive. Emotional intuitives can suffer from various things like allergies, chronic fatigue, tiredness, adrenal exhaustion, PMS and ovary and uterine problems. They often pull 
from their own physical reserves, the energy that they need to emotionally heal others. And they often believe they're not doing enough if they're not promptly healed. So emotional intuitives will challenge themselves to a point of exhaustion. And you want to be very, very careful about that. They need to take the time to become aware of their own emotions and how their emotions are playing into what they're picking up. They need time away, retreat and solitude, but they seldom will take this time off for self-care. And a lot of uh, emotional intuitives will crash and burn before they'll finally say, wait a minute, I'm not doing a very good job of taking good care of myself. Emotional intuitives and mental intuitives need one another. And I often, in my work, I often compare the emotional and mental and how if you're all in the camp of one emotional, then you're going to be a drama queen or a drama king. And if you're in the camp of the mental, you're going to be the ice queen or the ice king. You really do need each other because you want balance. You want to be able to feel, but you want to be able to have an objective sense as well. An emotional intuitive needs to see the big picture and be less affected by others. Whereas a mental intuitive needs the love and sensitivity that emotional intuitives give so easily. That'd be a perfect coupling right there. An emotional intuitive with a mental intuitive. And to be very honest with you, when I was teaching my psychic development classes before COVID and before the world ended and started again, (laughs) I would almost always couple up or pair up because I worked in my, my students worked in teams of two. I would almost always team up a mental with an emotional or what we would consider in the industry, a clairsentient with a claircognizant. The reason for that, they are a perfect balance. There will be very little conflict in their understanding and learning to grow within their psychic ability skills because they're not a threat to one another, but they will learn from one another quicker than if they were sitting, if a mental was sitting with a mental or the other way around. An emotional intuitive works through the emotions and the passion of the heart. And a mental intuitive can help them to understand the bigger picture. So let's just go there. Let's just go there. Let's talk about the, so that's the body of the, that's the body of the emotional intuitive. So let's take a look at the mental intuitive, like all the intuitive types must work towards balance. (laughs) And that's a fact. A lot of mental intuitives evolve from troubled childhoods. The reason for that is because they shut down their emotional centers so they can no longer feel vulnerable or be hurt because they're very sensitive. And when they come from dysfunctional environments like their family or their community, they will turn off the the emotional button and try to think their feelings. Is that a way to put it? And you cannot think your feelings if you've tried it. You know that doesn't work. So... Um, they have to work towards balance. And when they're not in balance, a mental intuitive can be viewed as a genius, but nutty, (laughs) slightly nutty. As though they might not be able to communicate their ideas and thoughts to others. Mental intuitives can also become overwhelmed by their own thoughts. And when our beliefs are not challenged, when we trust our small self to lead the way, our ego is referring to there, we can create limitations and negativity. So it's essential for a mental intuitive to receive thoughts from a higher source. Mental intuitives must be inspired, which is another experience or expression for in spirit. The mind is a reflective pool that can become imbued with divine ideas and enlightened views. It can also become um, kind of a toxic pool of limited thoughts and restrictions. 
And so what's really essential for a mental intuitive is a regular meditation practice. It can be the conduit for them to fulfill his or her potential. And these people must guard against relying excessively on their thought processes. Now, I can really validate this. I am a mental intuitive. I am a claircognizant. But when we did this quiz, um, I did this quiz with one of my groups, the one, the kitchen witching group. And I did it with them because I hadn't done it for a long time. And I came up, there was one point difference between my mental and emotional. And I was really thrilled. I was thrilled because years ago, I would have had lots of difference between the mental and, and emotional. I was not using my emotion center at all. I was only trying to think everything through and using my mental process. An open mind is much more beneficial than one that is constantly in thinking mode. So being able to quiet the mind, which meditation really helps, and receive divine illumination will bring the mental intuitive to the rich inner garden of inner peace and joy. Mental intuitives are the most prominent psychics and metaphysicians in our culture. Uh, they study paranormal phenomena, they write books, they advance the scientific approach, and they argue for or against psychic validity. And it's true. A lot of strong clericogs still have a skeptical nature. I do. I know that I'll see various television programs or uh, new research coming out on the paranormal or the blah, blah, blah. And I really sometimes just go shake my head and go, there's no way that isn't accurate. So mental intuitives question a lot. So there's still inside them a skeptic. And even to this day, when I have clients come in and I'm actually talking to their crossed over loved ones and I get information and it's like makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I just pass it to the client and they laugh and they go, oh, yeah, let me tell you the story. And they give me the information. I'll tell you what, I'm always amazed. And because I go into it all with no expectation. And that's simply because there is a side of me that says, Man, this might not work today. I, I have that, that aspect. I don't have the emotional need to be right. I don't have the emotional need to do it well. I don't have an emotional need to make a connection. I do or I, I do. And if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. It's the way it is. And thus, I have a really high rate of connecting with spirit for my clients just simply because I don't have an expectation. And so I don't have, I had to learn how to open up my heart center to be able to have that process go on for myself. Working primarily through the sixth chakra, mental intuitives can be strong intellectuals and visionaries who can predict and intuit the future better than most of the types. Now, uh, if any of you have worked with me to any degree, you know that I don't do predictions. Uh, I don't think that taking away your power of choice is, is a relevant practice. I think you need the power of choice to be long to you. So, Let's take a look at the body of the mental intuitive. And someone who reads energy through the mind is likely to be prone to muscle tension and stress. <laughs> they might also suffer with panic, anxiety, insomnia, headaches, and sinus issues. The mind overloaded with energy may also inhibit decision-making and direct experience. And the sixth chakra located in the head can become overstimulated and overworked. Now, what's really in, in too interesting about that sinus issues, if you look at the holistic studies around health and wellness, sinus issues are a sign that you're irritated to someone, you're, you're, you're experiencing irritation with someone, someone close to you. It could be a relative, it could be a friend, it could be a neighbor, it could be a coworker, but there's someone 
that you're just struggling with and your sinuses are inflamed. Mental intuitives tend to be hard on themselves too. And they can place unrealistic expectations on what they can accomplish. So uh, it's got to be perfect, often pushing themselves beyond what is reasonable. And I'll give you an example of that. If I get sick, I have a really hard time admitting I'm sick because I'm an intuitive and I shouldn't be sick. I should be able to figure it out. I'm a mental intuitive in a powerful way. It's my predominant. So we have to learn as mental intuitives to take a break, listen to our bodies. Physical exercise really helps mental intuitives unwind and clear out their thoughts and reduce stress. They will often have a difficult time sitting in meditation. I'll tell you what, I struggled with that. I struggled and struggled and struggled with meditation. I couldn't get my mind to shut up. I couldn't settle down until I went and I started studying with the Buddhists for one year. And I was at one particular retreat and I, well, I couldn't meditate. I couldn't meditate. I couldn't meditate. And finally, and it was a, a it was a camp, a, a retreat, 100% retreat. So we were staying there and I was staying in the same part of the facility where the altar was. And I remember getting up at three o'clock in the morning, just intuitively, I got out of bed, threw on some clothes, went down to the altar, sat on my mat where my mat was. And immediately went into a meditation, immediately went into a deep meditation. And I sat for six hours, six hours. I couldn't shut my mind up before that for five minutes, six hours. It was nine o'clock in the morning before I came out of that meditation. And it was the breakthrough for me. Now, that sounds really extreme, but my life has tended to be a bit extreme. I've had a lot of extreme experiences that I never understood as a child and as a young woman. And to be able to break through in that way brought me so much joy, so much peace, just so much tranquility. And now I know how to go into a meditative state. First of all, well, I don't have a way of describing it. Intuit, mental intuitives, you really need to figure it out for yourself. You've got to find what works for you. For me, it was just, it was the breakthrough. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't currently sit for six hours at a time. That isn't true. What I do, and I don't think it's necessary to do that to break through. Again, I live an extreme life. I always have. And um, so for me, it was just a matter of being able to just be inspired. Clearly, that was a message from above, I, I believe. Drove me down to the altar, drove me to sit on my mat, close my eyes and just stop. Literally stop. And when you're a mental intuitive and you can find that place where you can just stop, there is, it's like angels are singing in your ears. It's just insane. It's beautiful. I love it. Very active minds can find it hard to settle down in silence. And they'll often therefore benefit from a more active meditation, such as yoga or quiet walking in nature. Walking meditations are amazing. It's, I really, really enjoy them. Okay, so now let's go on to talk about these, the physical, physical intuitive, and what are their challenges? The physical intuitive can practice daily body scans to help them discover when they're absorbing the energy of their environments. That's really important. They can learn to sit quietly and scan their body from top to bottom, head to feet. And as they do this, they can become aware of any place in their body that feels sore or tense or tight. And they can ask questions of the tension, such as, is this my stress or is this someone else's? 
And if the stress or tension has a voice, what would it be saying to me? Can I release this stress to the light? And what do I need to do with this energy to heal and shift it into unconditional love? Answers to these questions uh, can provide insight and provoke deeper awareness of how the body responds to the environment and is responding. The body of a physical intuitive has a high degree of intelligence. So that means every cell in the physical intuitive's body is highly active and aware. Dialogue with the body can bring surprising intuitive information. Physical intuitives often have the ability to hold an object and read its energy. Now, when I did this quiz, again, the physical intuitive was probably, I think, one of the lowest on my list. Just simply, be, but although mine were only a point apart, each of them, so it's not really low. But I am not good at reading physical objects. I can read uh, photos and stuff, but again, I'm a mental, um, mental emotional. Uh, physical intuitives, though, have the ability to hold an object and read its energy. And personal items that we wear or hold, such as rings or watches, or even car keys, absorb our energy. And a physical intuitive is often able to put this energetic vibration into words. They can pick it up from the object. I can't do it. But when a physical intuitive becomes more aware of how they're intuitively responding to others, they'll discover that they do have this ability. And often, even if they've never felt intuitive or gifted, uh, they can hold an object or look at a photograph of a stranger and give incredibly accurate information about the object or the stranger. Now, I can do the photographs. I've never, it's been a while since I've tried doing objects. Maybe I should try again. The body of the physical intuitive can soak up energy like a sponge. And because of this, they may have problems with weight gain. As the energy field absorbs what is in the environment, the subconscious translates this heaviness into physical weight. So think about that. You're absorbing what's in the environment and then your subconscious is translating that into creating a physical weight for you. So in addition, the aura will eventually become overburdened with added energetic stress that surrounds it. A physical intuitive is most likely to bring environmental energy into the body, whereas a mental intuitive will channel it into the mind and a spiritual intuitive will lift energy into higher awareness. Emotional intuitives will feel and connect through the heart. But physical intuitives soak up psychic information in their bodies. So as a result, they have difficulty knowing when and what they're picking up from outside of themselves because their intuitive nature or energy is centered in the third chakra or solar plexus. They're more likely to absorb the energy into the stomach and lower organs and may suffer from chronic skeletal and muscular illness, illnesses, chronic fatigue, arthritis, and fibromyalgia. Also plague many physical intuitives who have over time absorbed the energy in their surroundings. If you think about putting a cloth in dirty water and you forget it's there and the water starts to evaporate, the cloth was clean when you put it into the water. But if the water evaporates, it leaves a scum and a film on the cloth, which makes it, it it's absorbed everything from its surrounding, all that debris that was in the dirty water because the water's gone. That's what your body will do. It'll absorb from the environment all the debris. And if you get overwhelmed with that debris, you don't have a way of getting rid of it or clearing it, then those are going to be some of your issues. Physical intuitives tend to respond well to herbal medicine because they interact with physical. 
homeopathy, chiropractic work, massage therapy, and any other therapy that assists them in integrating subtle and invisible energies. But I want to make a point here. You've got to be, if you're a physical intuitive or you found that's where you were fairly high, or this sounds like you, you want to make sure that if you're going to go for chiropractic or you're going to go for massage, that you actually enjoy the person you're working with. You can't do this kind of work with somebody that's going to bring more energy into your body that's caring. For example, I struggle getting massages. I really, really do. I love getting massages. I went to one massage therapist and went as soon as she found out what I did. So what I try to do is I try not to, to tell them what I do because they all want to talk to me and I don't want to talk to them. I don't want, because again, all of my senses are very high and I don't want to absorb their stuff, but I find that what, I can't relax in the massage if they're telling me all about their woes or what's happened here. And then they want me to tell them, like blah, 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 blah. So I try to get massages from people who have no idea who I am. They just know my first name is Sharon and I want a massage. And that's hard to do in a smaller community like the community I live in. Okay. Integrative medicine's really good for physicals. As physical intuitives develop and grow, spiritually, they can learn to absorb divine love and light instead of the energy of their surroundings. Again, it's going to come through meditation. The body can actually become a conduit of the divine. Physical intuitives can spiritualize the body with more ease than any other type. Their journey is to harmonize heaven and earth so their bodies can be a channel through which spirit becomes flesh. Isn't that perfect? Isn't that awesome? So let's go from there. Let's go to the spiritual, which is our fourth, the spiritual intuitive. And the spiritual intuitive, to me, the spiritual intuitive is the kind of where we want to be before we die, before we lose our physical aspect. Uh, spiritual intuitives draw their strength and power from the intangible world. Drawing upon this tremendous supernatural resources, they give us the gift of transcendence, the ability to rise above the mundane. They can soar with the angels and converse with the divine. They call us into our highest spiritual knowing. The journey of spiritual intuitives is that of enlightened freedom. They're learning to live in the midst of duality with the awareness of oneness and non-being, unattached and unencumbered. Doesn't that sound divine? Oh my gosh. Their home is beyond the skies. They're here in the physical world as visitors. More than any other type of intuitive, spiritual intuitives are able to live in the present, in the now. They have a natural tendency for spontaneity and can quickly immerse themselves in the experience of bliss, ecstasy, and pleasure. They often do not have a planned agenda, a goal, or a destination, are here to experience what is. Not the what is of this world, but the what is of eternal truth can be very difficult for a spiritual intuitive to manage daily life. They're attuned to no time and they live primarily in the present. So they can have trouble with the more routine aspects of life, like paying bills or getting to work on time or keeping track of paperwork um, or doing taxes. Hello. <laughs> when a mental intuitive finds meaning and mystery and patterns and trends, the spiritual intuitive may rebel, feeling restricted and limited by the probable. Spiritual intuitives want freedom, and they want openness. They want to be able to shift and to change like chameleons. They're not attached to form of any kind. And to the spiritual intuitive, what you see is temporary and not what you will get. Reality is without form. 
The psychic gifts of a spiritual intuitive, often they live really rich dream lives. And in their dreams, they might travel to distant locations, communicate with those who have departed the physical world, or visit mystical realms. And because their spiritual frequency rises into the etheric currents, they're likely to have precognitive dreams and visions. Now, spiritual intuitives are very rare, and precognitive dreams are also very rare. So if you're having them, you might want to seriously look at what are the attributes of a spiritual intuitive, which they might not always be able to understand is their visions and their dreams. They're also likely to enjoy astral travel, which is the ability to send consciousness and soul self outside of the physical body. Uh, when they were young, many spiritual intuitives had encounters with spiritual beings, such as loved ones who'd passed, ghosts or spirit entities and guides. Spiritual intuitives are often able to see and communicate with the spiritual realms in a natural, matter-of-fact way. And that's what I've been learning to do since I started doing mediumship. I've slowly, slowly developed an awareness of being able to communicate and be comfortable in the spiritual realms and communicate in a natural, matter-of-fact way, as if it was here and there is no difference. And it's becoming more and more clear to me. I love it. I absolutely love it. Spiritual intuitives are likely to be attracted to energy work such as Reiki and healing touch. Uh, they also enjoy toning, chanting, and deep trance work. And because they work well with others, you'll often find spiritual intuitives in groups. They take naturally to community. They tend not to be ego-centered. And they often seek out spiritual teachers and leaders. Unless they find this community and a sense of belonging in the world, they can become very lonely and very lost. And so um, you'll find them leading a lot of organization groups uh, so that they can have a group around them, a community. Spiritual intuitives do not naturally bond with the physical. They need to seek out an identity and a purpose to give meaning to their lives. And so that means that spiritual intuitives can have a difficult time using their intuitive gifts in the world of the here and now. Many spiritual intuitives will tell me they don't know why they're here on earth. They're not sure because it all seems so very mundane. Some of them have said that they feel as if there's been a cosmic mistake, <laughs> that they belong in the beyond, peacefully soaring in the cosmic currents, that they're not supposed to actually be hanging out in a physical reality. Again, remember, spiritual intuitives are here as visitors and observers. It's like, um, it's like when you were in school in grade 12, and you're interested in science, and you got to go to the observatory. You don't understand everything that's going on in the observatory, but you get to visit it. And that's what's going on with these guys on Earth. So because spiritual intuitives access intuition more outside the physical body than the other types, they can experience elevated states of ecstasy and bliss, only to plunge into deep despair and indifference. They suffer or they can also suffer from headaches, dizziness, and a lack of physical vitality. And if they do not establish a meaningful connection with the physical world, they can become depressed or apathetic. Now, because they intuit through their higher chakras, their seventh and higher chakras are highly developed. Their challenge is to pace themselves and live in the world of matter, physical matter. Some spiritual intuitives suffer from attention deficit disorder. Their consciousness may quickly flit from one thing to another. They may be like butterflies, only needing to lightly touch and observe ideas, objects, people, and thoughts 
in order to observe their energy. Then they drift away, freely moving wherever the breeze may take them. Spiritual intuitives may also experience thyroid and other glandular issues. Part of the function of the thyroid gland is to regulate how energy is used by the body. The pituitary and the pineal gland accept spiritual energy. The adrenal glands generate fuel for the physical body. And the thyroid receives energy from both of these glands and works to regulate and nourish the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual systems. The spiritual intuitive may not, however, always know how to use the rich storehouse of available spiritual and psychic energy. And this failure can manifest in glandular and endocrine system imbalances. So when energy has no path for expression, it gets stale and can be overcharged in spiritual intuitives benefit from the physical intuitive's natural ability to ground and use energy through the body. Massage therapy, healing touch, and yoga can help the spiritual intuitive come into balance. And career counseling, dream analysis, and breath work may also be helpful. There's so much more to developing your psychic gifts. And so there's going to be next time, what I'm going to do next time is we're going to talk about um, psychic protection and meditation. So there will be a part three to this process. Okay. So episode 43, isn't it fun? 41 was number one. 42 is number two. 43 is number three. There will be, so we're going to talk next time about psychic protection and guided meditations that you can use. Okay. So now I'm going to pick a card for you from the psychic tarot. This is a deck that uh, I love. This is a great deck and I've only really just started using it quite a bit, but it's a, a deck that was created by John Holland. I'm going to pick a card for you. And okay. So the card I picked is number four, the heart chakra. And here are some of the key facts about the heart chakra. So this is relevant to every one of the intuitives the mental, the emotional, physical, and spiritual, because everybody has to be active in their heart chakra or if their heart stops, they are done in their physical experience. So key facts about the heart chakra, the color associated is green. The sound is yam, Y-A-M is in mother, yam. The element is air. The gland is the thymus gland. And the key words, I love. Parallel to the heart, this chakra represents unconditional love, compassion, harmony, relationships, and healing, and is believed to be the link between your mind, your body, and your soul. Exactly what I just said. Without this, you can't function. Balancing this area may take a while, but you should allow all the time that you need so the healing energy can get through and flow freely. By loving yourself and others, as well as learning forgiveness, you'll become more attuned with spirit. Look at that. Look at that. So heads up for episode 43 next week. And I hope that you, if you again, if you, you know, if you listen to this episode and you're now curious, go back to 41, do the quiz, make sure you got pen and paper and do the quiz. It's not a hard quiz to do. And I think you'll enjoy it. Um, and that's it for me for now. Thank you very much for listening in. Make sure you pop over to Sharon 
rose.com, Sharon with a Y. Check out our services and all the things that we do there. And make sure that you uh, let me know if you've got any questions. You can just email me, Sharon at SharonRose.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for popping in. It's been fun. And I will see you all again in episode 43. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. If you love listening to this podcast, we have one little favor to ask you. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you love learning from Sharon, well, she's got a few great courses that are ongoing. Why don't you register for Kitchen Witchin? It's on now. All you have to do for more information is go to kitchenwitchin.ca. Or if you'd like to book an appointment with Sharon for a reading, or if you'd like to know more about Sharon, her psychic services, coaching sessions, and more workshops, go to SharonRose.com. That's Sharon with a Y. We'll talk to you next time.